As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. So we'll get to uh, Bayern Munich sacking Julian Nagelsmann shortly, but late last night Tottenham announced that Antonio Conte will leave the club by mutual consent. Uh, we can talk to uh, the Athletics Tottenham writer Jack Pitt. Brook, not a surprise? The timing was a slight surprise, but the fact that he's gone is not a surprise. Uh, I was at his press conference at Southampton where he basically detonated his Tottenham tenure. And as soon as he walked out of the room, I thought he's made his job completely untenable and there's no way he can take charge at Goodison Park on the 3rd of April. To be honest, I think it was... I expected them to do it quicker than they did. I didn't expect it to take eight days. But no, him leaving the club is not a surprise. Why did it take eight days? Do we know? They were negotiating severance, which took a while. You know, he had just under four million pounds left in his contract at the time I don't think they particularly I don't think Tottenham were in a rush to give him all that money in one go there's also the issue of his backroom staff Uh, as it's turned out Christian Stellini has stayed on which is slightly surprising and unusual in these circumstances I think Tottenham were also exploring the possibility of which other permanent managers might have been out there in case they wanted to do a quick permanent replacement rather than doing this kind of strange joint interim model which is now what they're going to finish the season with why has he stayed Stellini. Well, I imagine that the argument is that Spurs' best form this season, and this is quite a low bar, was when Stellini and Mason were in charge when uh, Conte was recuperating from gallbladder surgery in Italy. That said, the problem with Conte is not only the comments that he made at Southampton, it's the fact that the players have not enjoyed the training or the tactics all season. And so if you're keeping the guy in who was Conte's number two and is very loyal to Conte and in February was, you know, taking instructions down the phone from Conte on training and selection and everything, that makes me think it won't be any sort of a clean break and that Tottenham will not get the kind of new manager bounce that I'm sure they would have wanted from this change. It's just a case of muddling through then, basically, with fingers crossed that they might get fourth. Yeah, it, it absolutely is a case of muddling through all the... You could see this in in the sort of very brief statement that Daniel Levy put out last night, where he made no reference to Antonio Conte or thanking him for his time or the circum even referred to the circumstances of his departure. It was all about, you know, it's really important that we all pull together to try and get fourth place. And I think Spurs have just got to hope that they'll get enough points and that maybe the Liverpool or Newcastle United will stumble, and they can get fourth. And then suddenly there'll be a much more attractive proposition to which you know any of the managers they'll be speaking to about taking over for next season. How many? Uh, are we expecting them to be talking to 
If I, if I keep reading this list, it looks like about a dozen at the moment. <laughs> it, it depends who's in, it depends who's doing the talking, because I'm sure both uh, Daniel Levy and Fabio Paracci will each have their own ideas on who's on who would be best to come in. I think Nagelsmann is probably the most popular candidate internally. He's someone Tottenham have liked for a while. Mauricio Pochettino is obviously the most popular candidate with the with the fan base which I do think counts for something. Um, and then you've got people like Luis Enrique, who Paratici's a big fan of, Sergio Conceição. Deserbi, I think, will be very popular internally. Ruben Amarim will probably be on the list. So there'll be quite a few, I think. Can I ask you about a type of manager here? Because Rory Smith of the New York Times said to me a, a couple of weeks ago that Tottenham's recent appointments, probably Conte and, and Mourinho in particular, were of the Tottenham should think themselves lucky to have me basically. Whereas Tottenham do better when a manager comes in who is on the rise rather than is established. Pochettino being a prime example back then. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I completely agree. I think that Daniel Levy's strategic pivot over the last few years to appointing uh, famous short-termist managers in the hope that some of their winning credentials and glamour will rub off on Spurs by osmosis has been an utter, utter disaster. You know, it's been ugly football. All they've got to show for it is one fourth-place finish. The impact of having a manager there who feels like he's kind of above the job has been completely corrosive to the whole football club. So I certainly think that they need to not not even necessarily go for Pochettino, but for go to go for someone who was like Pochettino was in 2014, which is somebody who is in that first half of their career and has got fresh ideas and a clear a clear plan of how they want to play football. And for me, that's why someone like Amarim or Deserbi is such an attractive candidate. But I wouldn't be surprised if Daniel Levy thinks, well, isn't it great having a famous manager? Let's go and get another one. We will uh, talk more on Tottenham on tomorrow's pod. We'll also talk about the future of Harry Kane as well. Uh, Jack's piece on The Athletic uh, now. A uh, long read where it went wrong for Tottenham under Conte. Uh, so you can read that now. I, I'm assuming you're on that pod tomorrow. Nobody's told me, are you? Um, I say see you nobody's tomorrow? told me either, Chappers, but I'd love to Oh, be. excellent. Right. I would love to be. <laughs> well, yeah. Maybe, maybe yeah, see you tomorrow, Jack. Thank you. Uh, Meanwhile, Bayern Munich also made a managerial change, as we've uh, alluded to. They sat one of Europe's top young coaches, Julian Nagelsmann. Where will he end up next? Would he be a good fit at Tottenham? And what made Bayern move for Thomas Tuchel so quickly? I'm Mark Chapman. This is the Athletic Football Podcast. So joining us today, the Athletics German football writer Raphael Honigstein and also former Premier League and Bundesliga striker Jan Fjortoft, who's now a journalist covering German football. Raph, you just heard that chat with Jack. If We'll come on to Bayern and Nagelsmann, the individual, surely. Nagelsmann and Tottenham, would he be the kind of individual who would arrive thinking Tottenham are lucky to have me or I'm lucky to be at Tottenham? Somewhere in the middle, I think. I think Julian Nagelsmann is... Not somebody who is used to winning big trophies uh, every single year. His first trophies have come at Bayern, uh, as you perhaps expected, and as he would have expected, at the very minimum, to win the German league. I think he is somebody who works well with young players, who understands processes, who, in his recent work before going to Munich, was always good at bringing players and teams to a new level. So, a developer. So, in that sense, it's perfect perfect fit. I just wonder when you come from working with Bayern 
and arguably one of the one best and deepest squads in Europe to going to Spurs, whether the drop off in in quality of players is such that it might be a little bit frustrating, and we might see the same effect that we've seen with other managers who basically constantly push at the ceiling and say, "I need more. I I can't get this team any further." Um, with predictable consequences. So I, I don't know. It's very hard, I think, to prejudge what would happen. I think as a person, as a relatively young manager, I think he would relish the challenge, uh, training in England as well. But Bayern proved a little bit too, perhaps too big a job at a too early time for him. And I'm not sure Spurs, in a very different context, isn't too big a job either. Uh, not necessarily in when it comes to the expectations, but when it comes to dealing with a very difficult situation with a very na- narrow framework of success, because what is success for Spurs? It's winning a cup. I don't think they will win the Premier League in the next five years. And it's and it's making fourth. Uh, and fourth can be a question of three points or four points either way. So it's it's not an easy job, I think, for any manager. I, I think it's an interesting debate, isn't it? Because what you're sort of alluding to is the Nagelsmann that was at Hoffenheim would have been perfect for Tottenham in the, in this situation. But a Nagelsmann who is maybe, I don't know whether scarred is the right word by Bayern or has had his Bayern experience, might have a very different view of himself. I think so. I think once you taste uh, the big time, and once you work with a squad that can fight for every trophy and you're in the mix and you have massive games and you do well in those big games, let's not forget you won all of uh, eight Champions League games and did well against the big teams in the Champions League also last season. His downfall was Villarreal, quite ironically. Then it's hard, I think, to, to pay, perhaps have the same kind of motivation. Having said that, I think Spurs and the Premier League still have a sense of of glamour attached to it. I think there is a sense of this is a project that you could be the one that makes Spurs into what they can be and haven't been for a long time. So I, I think there will be a natural appeal and we have to see how it works out if, if indeed they can find an agreement. But I think from Bayern to Spurs is not the most straightforward of transitions. Jan, what what do you think? Thank you very much for joining us. Are, are Nagelsmann and Tottenham a, a good fit or not? Well, I think what Rafa is saying is there's something with, with Germans going to English football. There is something romantic. There is someone coming home. Football's coming home. Even a German can say that. Uh, but, yeah, I, I got a feeling yesterday when I saw Kante was fired. I was, I was tweeting saying that Nagelsmann was fired because Tuchel was available and now was fired because an Nagelsmann was available, but it was not. It was not to be. So no, I'm. I'm it, it can happen uh, because I think for, for Nagelsmann, I always use that Formula One uh, metaphor. With there has there, there have to be seats available for him. Where should he go at the moment? He won't go to any German club. That's for sure. Uh, Real Madrid. I think that Real Madrid. If, if if their reputation is broken for him or is something damaged with him, is that he, he can't handle the big stars. So say that is a saying for Nagelsmann. So and maybe that is, is also the feeling that that he could not get Müller and Neuer and all the old boys out. So then he's going to Real Madrid with Tony Kroos, with with Modric, with Benzema. I don't think so. I think that then he need more experience to get that. So he can end up in, in summer 
with with seeing their options, the seats available, and maybe Tottenham will will be the the best for him. And uh, I, I was in a discussion yesterday with a friend of mine, and we we discussed. I've followed Nagelsmann since Alex Rosen said at Hoffenheim, I played with him in Hoffenheim, he said, we got this guy, he's 27, he's the best you'll ever see, and he will be turned into a fantastic manager. But when you go to Bayern and and you kind of fail in the terms you get fired, there's always some time to to kind of maybe adjust your career. What, what type of character is he, Raf? Because at the age that he is, the, the assumption is... He should actually relate to players very well, given how young he is. And yet, as Jan has, has already alluded to, there were issues, supposedly, between him and the Bayern dressing room. It's hard to generalise because there were some players, and we've heard from them in recent days, who genuinely liked him and got on very well with him. Leon Goretzka came out saying how much he enjoyed working with him. Joshua Kimmich, who was his main confidant, basically said, yeah, one of the top three player, uh, top three coaches he ever worked with in his career. Others, though, I think, wanted a bit more leadership, wanted somebody slightly more experienced, slightly more perhaps discreet. Nagelsmann, I think, because he was still relatively young, and hadn't made it as a footballer and now was in his big job, I think tried to maybe enjoy the occasion a little bit too much at times. Driving big cars in Munich. I mean, things that maybe from an English perspective, they're kind of ridiculous to mention because, of course, a coach will drive a big car. But in, in Germany and even in Munich, you have to still be a little bit careful and Jan can relate to this as a player, as a footballer, what you do, what you drive, how you dress, how you behave in the public. People look at you and think you should behave sort of in a way that fits your role and your position. And being a buyer manager is not just a job. It is almost sort of being uh, in an office. And, you know, you are in charge of this organization that's looked at exercises uh, and excites millions and millions of people. And I think Nagelsmann found it difficult perhaps to understand that dimension of it. And some players found it difficult to maybe seeing him the leader that they craved. I don't think that was the main reason for why things went awry. I think that the club really struggled to explain that part of the story very well because it wasn't a clear cut of him losing the dressing room the way uh, Ancelotti had really lost the dressing room, for example, or Niko Kovac. This was a more nuanced picture and ultimately went down to something that the club, I think, felt uncomfortable to discuss, which is that he just didn't get the most out of this team. And they wanted to be nice, I think, about him as a coach and didn't want to say anything bad about his the way he did his job. So they didn't really go into massive details beyond saying the performances were up and down the whole time, the performances are not in line with the potential of the squad. And basically, the accusation was that he just should have done a lot better with his team, which, looking at the table and at the Champions League position, you think, what are they talking about? But if you've seen every single game uh, or most of the games that the way that me and Jan would have done, you saw that every single game almost throughout his time there, Bayern had bad moments, had a lack of dominance, too many close-cut games, too many draws, too many defeats for a team that at least Bayern believe should really dominate the Bundesliga in a way that we haven't seen since, since Pep Guardiola. And ultimately, he fell short of that maybe maybe overblown expectation, but Bayern always have these expectations, so you just have to live with it. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, and I'm going to have to follow up on Russ Point with you. I would be one of those people going, what are they talking about? Just like, like literally on the numbers. They're second in the Bundesliga. They're a point off Borussia Dortmund, right? You can't win a title every year by 20 points or whatever. Sometimes other teams get better. But amongst all of that, they've scored 72 goals in their 25 Bundesliga games. They've got a goal difference of plus 45. So the next best is Borussia Dortmund at at, at plus 24. And they're in the quarterfinals of of the Champions League, having knocked out Paris Saint-Germain. I mean, what more is wanted? Yeah, I think it's it's hard for Rafa and me to find the right words to explain the posi- <laughs> no, the position of Bayern because Bayern is so much more than a football club. There are some football clubs who try to have that motto and then they're like everybody else. But I saw the, the press conference and I went into, I saw the whole over again because it was quite interesting to see how do we do the analysis of Bayern because Bayern is the, maybe the biggest brand Germany got and made they compete with Adidas and Hugo Boss and all those kind of of brands and then I was thinking when I I was looking at Oliver Kahn and Salah Hamisic in my opinion doing a communication job that was not even close to conference league and that is something that we have to understand with Julian Nagelsmann so if you come into Bayern it's a it's a family club in all terms because Ole has been there since he was 27 Karl-Heinz Rummenig has been there. They're always looking for former players. A model I love. The CEO is Oliver Kahn, a Bayern legend. Salahamisic played at the club. They had Kovac. They had a lot of, uh, of former players in the special position. But to be the coach of Bayern Munich is so much more than just being a football coach. It's so much more than have football results. And what is interesting, and, and Rafa will I, I would get, will get I agree with this, is that Salah said 21 months ago that this is the man who will take us into the new future. This was like them. They took over after Rummenigge and Hernes. This is the new coach. This is the, the new coach of a new generation after the only coaches they've had there that they were happy with, more or less, is you, Pinkies or Otma Hitzfeld. And they were like 60 plus. So there is something about the expectation being a buyer manager. Yes, it's silly to talk about his cars. Yes, it's silly to talk about his suits. Yes, it's silly to talk about this. He's now dating a journalist who worked for Bill Saito. It's all rubbish, but it's a part of the soap opera Bayern Munich. And this FC Hollywood, we, we love to say that. We love to. I follow this club since I saw my first game, 75, when they beat Leeds United 2-0. Should never have done that. Leeds got, should have a goal. Was not going for offside. Sorry, I'm going all the way there. But that is Bayern. <laughs> And there is something about Bayern, the expectation to a coach there. You can imagine, today is the big thing. Who is the mole? Who is the spy in the camp? I mean, it's not like in England you will talk about Liverpool or Manchester United and you will think, who is the spy? That's what they're doing yeah. in Germany right now. Raf? If we bring it back to 
the on-pitch performances and, and your question, Mark, I think what's, what's instructive to understand is that Bayern cannot tolerate failure. And failure would mean not winning the, the Bundesliga. That would, seem as, that would be seen as an absolute disaster. When it last happened in 2012, and Bayern also finished runners-up in the, in the Cup and the Champions League, Jupp Heynckes came very close to resigning because he felt the club don't really fully trust me. In the end, it went a very different way. Yeah, Magat was fired after winning two doubles. Niko Kovac was fired after winning the double. Ancelotti was fired after winning the double in the second season. Uh, Nagelsmann was fired after winning the league in the, in the second season. Why? Because Bayern will not wait until something bad happens and then react. They want to anticipate before things happen and happen and, and be so ruthless, almost like those precogs in uh, what was that uh, Tom Cruise uh, film, uh, Philip K. Dick, where they, they see the crime before it happens. I'm placing you under arrest for the future murder of Sarah Marks. Give the man his hand. The future can be seen, murder can be stopped. The fact that you prevent it from happening doesn't change the fact that it was going to happen. The system can't be wrong. Minority Report. This is Bayern, okay? They they want to punish the guy before he's even done anything. Say, okay, this it looks as if you might not win the league. It looks as if you might blow the cup and the Champions League all next month. We're not going to wait those 10 days until you blow all these three things. We're going to do this now. And we have Tuchel someone who we believe will do a better job. I'll come on to Tuchel with Jan in a minute. I know, I know you you have to leave, Russ. So ve- just very quickly on this. Can Bayern not have a head coach who is too much of an individual? Is that is that a problem? If he delivers titles, they will swallow any pill as they did with Guardiola. There was a lot of things that didn't work with Guardiola and the club, but the football was amazing. And they, I think despite some reservations, would have loved to, to keep him. And he is, of course, the longest-serving biomanagers in recent years with a full three-year tenure. So it's not about that. It's about winning, and then everything is on top. But Nagelsmann's problem, and I think in that respect they were factually correct, was that you had these up-and-down periods. Every season, um, every half of the season had a period where suddenly Bayern don't win four or five games. And that makes the whole club super nervous. They just cannot handle it. And their reaction is always, okay, who is the other guy we can get in that makes sure we won't have these terrible four weeks where we don't win? And because Tuchel was available, and I think that is key, they were felt comfortable pushing the button. If there's no Tuchel in the background, I think they will continue to say, we're backing Julian and whatever, and maybe see what happens. But because Tuchel was available now, this happened now. Raf, thank you for joining us. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham, all new, Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. 
Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Tottenham fans, he's gone. So now what? Join me, Danny Kelly, Charlie Eccleshare and James Moore on the biggest Spurs podcast on the planet this week as we try to unpick Daniel Levy's brain and ponder where the club shall go next in the post-Antonio Conte era. Just search for The View from the Lane wherever you get your podcasts. It's going to be a cracker. Do you think they were worried, Jan, that Tuchel might not be available for much longer? I think they did. Having said that, if, if we, it's right what I said at the press conference, that the first thing that Tuchel said to Salahamisic, what do you want? So it didn't, didn't look like he was on his flight to flying to Madrid. But I think that you need to have an alternative. I will wrap for that because they've seen maybe that I think sometimes it's underestimated which coach comes after which coach. So you see Manchester United, the best example, with first you go for a copy in Moyes, then you go for, for, a, for a strong manager like Van Gaal, then you go for the guy who win you anything, Mourinho, and then you go, for, go back to one of the pupils of, of Sir Alex Ferguson. So I think you can see a pattern there with a lot of clubs. So I, I, after Nagelsmann, you have to go for the experienced one, the guy who's won everything. And also the fact that he took over Chelsea and won them the Champions League. I think that was very important. And if you had a look at the German market or if you had a look at the Bayern market at this time, there is only two managers they could go for. That was uh, Klopp and uh, Tuchel. And they have followed their career anyway and he was living nearby and um, so yeah they needed an alternative if not they would have held out for a couple of more months with Nagelsmann and what did you make of Tuchel's performance in in the press conference you've already talked about Khan and Salihamidzic and 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 how they weren't particularly impressive from a communications point of view what did you make of Tuchel in that media conference oh I think it was great I mean you to compare it with Khan and Salihamidzic it's it's unfair to to Tuchel because that was a straight 2-0 lead before you get on the pitch. But uh, I think that uh, Tuchel has shown, and I was very impressed, I followed him quite closely when he was at PSG. It was interesting to see how he managed to get a lot of individuals, stars, this is before Messi, but still uh, a kind of mess of individuals. He managed to make a team out of them. Remember when they beat Dortmund? Uh, remember that, uh, that, that, that all the bullying they had with Erling Haaland? I love that. I love that the way they, they kind of found together and went then to the Champions League final. Then he took Chelsea to the Champions League final. And I, re- I remember I was at the, at the, the final the, the day before and I saw Pep and him working on the training where Pep was all down to the last details, you saw that Tuchel was the other guy. He was 
he knew that now 24 hours before it's all about relaxing and i i remember standing there with a with a german friend of mine and he came over talked about his team talked about the the choices he had to make and i thought wow uh, well, he knew that we wouldn't take it on but still that that is the tuchel guy and you saw that on the press conference he always used his phrase i'm super happy i love that is that is his uh, phrase uh, and I'm I'm always been a big admirer of, of Thomas Tuchel since he was at Dortmund because I also saw the spin that Dortmund tried to make of him being a difficult coaches find me a difficult a, a, a coach that is not difficult and you find me a bad coach so Thomas Tuchel is one of those who can take on the big or take the big teams and take on the big teams we're coming in now to to the Clasico against Dortmund and the two games against Manchester City. I mean, as your tweet said, I mean, it is a funny old game, isn't it? His first game against Dortmund, then the Champions League against Manchester City. And of course, if they win that and Chelsea knock out Real Madrid, then it's a buy in Chelsea. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous how it works out. Yeah, I think that's why we well, we all love it. I mean, that is a cliche as well. That's why we love our game. But we, you you tend to meet up again. And then, of course, you. I, I always like these games between Tuchel and Pep and Klopp against Pep because they're somehow so different in their style to the game. All uh, successful, but it's also funny when, when, when Guardiola comes with his Plan A, B, C, D, E, and these Germans just just come and put the plan A in his face, and it's like it's always like so fun to watch that that as well on the pitch or outside the pitch as well. So I think that's what we all love. You wouldn't rule out Tuchel winning both the Bundesliga and the Champions League now, would you? I mean, it just but because of partly because of the squad he has got to work with, but also just his aura. And he's been there and done it. And all of a sudden that changes the mindset of the squad he has, as you will know as a former player, but also it changes the mindset of the opponents now. Yeah, and not only that. I mean, he, he got his leadership qualities. He got a, uh, he's got his reputation as a winner uh, to take them to Champions League, losing one, winning one. So he got that. But if you have a look at the, the, the PSG games that Bayern had, if if I'm not, correct me if I'm wrong, but they put on Mane, uh, uh, they put on Sané, they put on Cancelo, uh, and uh, yeah, they, they put on so many players that the squad of Bayern. I mean, if you put that up and compare that with the eight teams left in the competition, there is no way that they have to hide. This is a great, great team. So if if he managed to get them on the level they had in the two Champions League games, or they've had occasionally also. Uh, in the Champions League, he, he can not only win the Champions League and the Bundesliga, he will take the, the Pokal, the, the Cup as well. So he can end up winning the treble. Okay, who who has taken that? Is that only Tuchel or is that also Julian Nagelsmann? Ask Frank Lampard at, uh, at Chelsea. But it's still, he takes over a club now. Uh, today he's in the office, uh, Monday. Tomorrow, Tuesday, is his first, first session. He will get his team players home. But I think that his demands, his clear messages, they are very significant for the when you take over a team at the end of the season because you need to have clear messages. I've been 
unfortunately not been so much involved in winning trophies, but I've been involved in some uh, relegation battles. And when we had a, the so-called fireman in, when you get a coach in who had to turn things around very quickly, you need clear messages. You need, we do it this way. It's my way or the highway. You just got away if you don't get it. So that is going to be interesting now to see because the buy-in of a squad with 15, 16 world-class players, they have absolutely the potential to take all three trophies. What do you think? Now, just just to end, end this on, on Nagelsmann again, I mean, we talked about whether that's a good fit for Tottenham or not. But in general... What should he do next? When a manager leaves Bayern, what 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 do they? Where do they tend to go? They don't often go to other teams within the Bundesliga, do they? Straight away, do they? No, because that is the thing that that way you have to understand. Sometimes when when you see there's a lot of players over the years moving from second best clubs in the Bundesliga to Bayern. Bayern is kind of the ultimate target to, to, to get in Germany. So it's hard then to, to go to other clubs. You have Nico Kovac, who is now in Wolfsburg, uh, but they end up retiring, like your Pankins or, or Otmar Hitzfeld, because they've had the ultimate job in Germany. So I I am more, well, optimistic. I'm, I'm more far um, found of the idea for him going to England because uh, the Germans like it they like the, the charm of English football they have a this special relationship uh, to them but Julian Nagelsmann what I liked about him he was told uh, sat, uh, uh, Thursday evening from press that he was fired then he was told by the Bayern and on Sunday he went to watch uh, uh, his home hometown team Landsberger FC he played and then he watched for 25 minutes and he went uh, to the ground next to this ground and played football I think that shows a great attitude not sulking he is a young man he is curious about what life can bring I think that he will take three or four months now off he will see his options but you don't feel that he has the, the patience to stay out for a year like Pep Guardiola did when he went to New York and made more or less philosophy. I, I, I can see him straight back. The problem is sometimes is that they, your rebound lover, if you go for the wrong one straight away, and I think that he should be very he should be very analytic in the way he goes on now because they may say there could be a reputation that he can't handle the big clubs. So that means that he got to be very aware now what's his next next club going to be. Yeah, and lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. Nice to see you. Same to you, likewise. So that's it from us for this pod. You can subscribe to The Athletic now for £1.99 a month for all 12 months by going to theathletic.com slash football pod. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. The Athletic.